So this morning, it's my joy and privilege to welcome Pastor Jim McCracken to the pulpit to bring us the word. Before he comes up, I just wanted to say a couple things thinking about Jim. Jim and I have been friends for many years. Actually, I think we started off our friendship when I was 17 years old and took a trip with him into Cuernavaca, Mexico, which I thought would be my only mission trip of my entire life. And then God got a hold of me and led me different directions. But Jim was part of the leadership that opened up the world to me. He's one of our founding pastors here at City Hill. He's been pastoring this church for more than 20 years. And what I would say about Jim McCracken is he's the real deal. Jim doesn't have a lot of errors about him. What you see is what you get. And what you get is a man that's been seasoned by the Lord over his lifetime. Uh, as a pastor, as a Christian, there's been a few bumps along the road. And what I see in Jim as he talks about things in his life, as he talks about his challenges and his victories, is that there is the grace of God upon him. You don't see the, you don't see the things that somehow wedge those roots of bitterness or other things that wedge down in somebody's heart, but you see the grace of God as he's learned to trust God through all the aspects of life. And so it was my joy to invite him to come preach to us this morning, share some of his life with us, share how we can be better connected as Christians. And I want to reach out your hands, please, and let's pray a blessing on him as he shares this morning. Father, I thank you for the gift that Jim McCracken is to me, to us, to the body of Christ. I thank you, God, for the grace of God that's evident upon his life. Father, we open our hearts to you today that we would hear your word through Jim. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Kent. <clears throat> so the church has been here for 50 years. Wow. 50. Celebrating 50 years, a year of Jubilee, I've been part of it that whole 50 years. I think I helped start the church when I was five. I think. <laughs> No, actually, I was 18, so do the math. I'm 68. So my wife and I have been part of this church the whole time. I won't tell you how old she is, because you're not supposed to tell how old a woman is, but she's a year younger than me. <laughs> so I have a prophetic word of encouragement for the church, Kent. I want us all to hear this clearly, that longevity in itself has not made you healthy and effective. What has made this church healthy and effective for 50 years is your willingness to let the Holy Spirit reconfigure this church. And it's going to keep happening because God is a God of new wineskins. Even as we were singing this morning, new wineskins. So I was the fourth pastor. I think you would be really glad that I'm no longer the pastor. I mean, when people say that somebody is seasoned, it's a nice way of saying they're getting really old, you know. <laughs> but seriously, new wineskins are what churches are about, and the Holy Spirit gives us those new wineskins. This is what Jesus said to contain the new wine, which is what we were singing about. So aren't you glad the Lord keeps reconfiguring City Hill? Just think about the worship. There's so many people that are glad it's not like it was 25 years ago. <laughs> Worship is wonderful. It's been reconfigured. We have new leaders. It's awesome. The other thing I'm really partial to is small groups. We call them life groups here. I love small groups. 
I came to Jesus Christ at age 16 in a small group. Now, some people might get saved in a stadium, in a big crusade. Others might get saved in a larger church like this, and that's awesome. But God knew what I needed was a small group. So I gave my life to the Lord in a campus crusade small group that was led by a Jewish girl. And that just so intrigued me. How can a Jewish girl know more about Christianity than I do? And I'm supposedly a Christian because I'd been raised in a denominational church. And that winter, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Guess where? In a small group. In a small group. The Lord knows what we need. And my first experience of Campus Crusade being mentored and discipled was, guess what? In a small group. So I relate. I relate to this church, the 50 years that we've been here. I relate to small groups. And seriously, that's what this morning is all about when you go to sign up. The other thing I relate to is William Wallace, who we know of through the movie Braveheart. The battle cry of the Scots all through the movie is freedom, right? Love that movie. Those are my people. There's A few quotes from that movie you hear all the time. One of them is, I, every man dies. Not every man really lives. Essentially, that's what the Bible tells us. So, I mean, that was a sound thing that Mel Gibson, I mean, William Wallace said. But the other one that I love is where he says, I and free men you are. What will you do with that freedom? And that's what the Lord is asking us today. Free people we are. What will we do with this freedom? Did you know that William Wallace had his 9-11? I mean, as Americans, we remember 9-11 like yesterday. I can tell you where I was. It was horrific. As terrorists attacked us on our own turf. William Wallace had his 9-11. It was in the year 1297 as the English marched against him to take away their freedom. And the Scots were grossly outnumbered. They should have all been wiped out. Or as King Longshanks said in the movie, they should have been routed. That doesn't sound like Scottish to me, but anyhow, it doesn't sound like English either. But the thing is, they were vastly outnumbered. And it's portrayed in the movie. Essentially, the Scots routed the English and saved their freedom at least for a period of time. So my ancestors came from Scotland by way of Ireland. They came to America. And did you know that when we had our battle for freedom here, that over 40% of the colonial army was made up of Scots-Irish? So you have a lot to thank me for. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So when they moved here, fought for the country, and eventually settled in, they did not want to settle on the coastlines because that's where the English were, and the Scots and Scots-Irish were tired of the English. So they moved into the hills. Ironically, where they came from originally was from the hills of Scotland, And they supported William of Orange, and so their nickname was Hillbillies. So when they settled in the hills of Kentucky, Tennessee, 
the Ozarks eventually and so on, that name stuck. They were hillbillies. And yes, I will admit, we made moonshine and we invented NASCAR. Seriously, you look it up, it's true. Because the runners, the people that ran with this illegal moonshine, had to have big powerful cars to get away. They had to know their way around the dirt roads. And then after prohibition was over, these people decided, hey, we don't need these high-powered cars to run away from the feds anymore. Let's just have a big race. And that's how NASCAR got started. So my family here in Minnesota goes back five generations. And they're all buried at Lakewood Cemetery. My great-grandfather, Augustus Etter, had a carriage shop. And he sold carriages from a spot that now Target Field stands. And the thing is, with their newfound freedom, my ancestors found a place to belong. And that is the message, if you don't remember anything else from today. Jesus Christ sets us free to belong. He does not set us free to remain individualistic and independent, but the Lord sets us free to belong. It almost seems like a contradiction, but it isn't. Now, the examples I've given so far are about earthly kingdoms. But we live in the heavenly kingdom of God. It's much greater than earthly kingdoms because the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that earthly kingdoms, they're going to go away. The kingdom of God will endure forever, and we're part of this kingdom of God. Concerning the kingdom of God, Jesus says, the truth will set you free And, you've heard this already this morning, who the sun sets free is free indeed. And the people that he was discussing and maybe even arguing with were saying, well, well, we've never been slaves. We're, We're children of Abraham. What are you saying? The truth will set us free. He said, oh, no, you've been slaves, slaves to sin, slaves to sin. And he who continues in my work will be my disciple indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You glad to be free today? You glad to be part of the kingdom of God, which will endure forever? Well, we should use this freedom to belong. The first thing we might ask is, well, what are you talking about? Belong to what? Well, to start with, we belong to the body of Christ. As has already been said earlier today, we need each other. We're like members of a body. You know, if you said, hey, Jim, where's your hand? It's out in the foyer. Well, what good is that going to do you? It's not attached to your arm. Yeah, good point. We need each other. We need each other as members of the body of Christ. We need to belong as living stones built into a temple which the Spirit of God inhabits, the Bible tells us. What's that sitting out in the field? Oh, that's a living stone. What's it doing out there? Oh, he's just hanging out by himself. You get the point? The freedom that we have is to belong as members of a body, as living stones in a temple which God builds to inhabit by his spirit. We have freedom to belong to an army. Isn't it interesting When someone who's part of an army gets a little time off, what do they call it? Liberty. 
So they've laid down their liberty and freedom and independence to be part of the greater. How many have heard of the nuns? Did you know there's a rising number of nuns in this country? And it's not the sisters who are part of the Catholic Church. It's spelled N-O-N-E-S. The rise of the nuns is the people who claim they belong to nothing. Now you would think it's over 26% now that they're atheists. No, the number of atheists in this country is actually very small. But there's a greater and greater number, especially of millennials, who are saying, if they're asked the question, none of the above. I belong to nothing. I have used my freedom to be independent, self-focused. You fill in the blanks. But they haven't used their freedom to belong. So I guess in a sense it's a bit shocking, but on the other hand, God is not surprised. These things do not surprise God. But it's an opportunity for us to reach out to the nuns and say, you can belong. We'd love for you to use your freedom to belong. You should be so thankful that you're part of a church like City Hill that has things to belong to. I mean, I love Sunday morning. I pastored here for a long time. I love Sunday morning. But I can tell you what, Sunday morning is not the only part of the church. It's not the only expression of church. Belong to the body of Christ. Belong as living stones to the temple which God is building and will inhabit by his spirit. Belong to the army of God. You know, the sad thing is, most of the time, people take their valuation for success from the culture around them. Now, that would be fine if in our country that everything around us would reflect the values of the kingdom of God. Do you think it does? I don't think it does. See, when it comes to freedom, independence, liberty, Americans are probably the most confused people on earth because they translate so much of the concept of freedom to individualism, individual independence. It's a brand of freedom that does not serve the greater good. We're very confused. It doesn't help that Hollywood portrays this. But every now and then, Hollywood gives us something good Not real often, but every now and then. Like Braveheart, for example. (laughs) But Band of Brothers came out and it was, in a sense, a fresh call to this country to see the freedom that was won, the freedom that is maintained is because people give up their individual freedom to belong. My father-in-law, who passed away last July... Dropped in behind enemy lines, fought in the Battle of the Bulge. He carried a lot of PTSD in his life for years until he saw the Band of Brothers. And then he needed some counseling big time. Interesting, after he got the counseling through the VA, it set him free to talk about the war and to talk about his experiences. He'd go around and talk at schools and different places. Band of Brothers... The essence of the movie is you give up your personal independence and liberty for the greater good. 
If you're in the 101st Airborne, guess what? You're not just thinking about yourself. Mother Teresa once said, loneliness is the modern-day leprosy. That's pretty sad. From someone who actually worked with lepers, literal lepers, for her to say, and she traveled all over the world sharing, loneliness is the modern-day leprosy. There's another author. His name is Edward Hallowell, and he wrote a book called Connect. And in the book called Connect, he said, after we have our food and clothing and and our shelter, there's two powerful experiences in our life. One is connecting, and the other is achieving. The problem in America, in our culture, is achieving has so eclipsed connecting that we have people that have modern-day leprosy. This is how Hallowell said it. Our society is devoted to, obsessed with, and enslaved by achieving. Now, don't get me wrong. Achieving's great. We all achieve things. God gives us gifts to achieve things, but achieving should never totally eclipse. It should, we shouldn't be devoted to it, obsessed with it, enslaved by achieving to the expense of connecting. I've ministered to a lot of people who are dying, a lot of people on their deathbed. I've never heard one of them say, oh, I wish I would have spent more time achieving things. They always say, I wish I'd have spent more time with my family, my friends, those who are close to me. Achieving should never totally outdo connecting. So we have life groups. This is awesome. We have life groups. What's the reason that we have life groups? Well, there's a handful of really good reasons. At the top of the list is to please God. Are we about pleasing God? You know, sometimes we forget, especially in this culture, how our focus should be on pleasing God first. And then a second. For example, in Psalm 23, the famous psalm, David the shepherd, later the king, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And he goes on to say a little bit later, he leads me in paths of righteousness for what? His name's sake. I mean, in our thinking and in our doing, we should first and foremost be thinking for his name's sake. For God's sake, to please him, I want to give up part of my freedom to belong, to please God. A couple weeks ago, we were here and listened to Kent speak. You might have been here. But he quoted from the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, you'll see that the church had some amazing experiences, sound teaching, you know. And then they go through a time... uh, where they were tested, and out comes the same things, only more powerful. And one of them was they broke bread from house to house, and nothing they had, they didn't consider it their own, they shared it. I remember when I lived next door to the church here, and I would lend out my pickup truck, and one time it came back, uh, the guy had mashed in the bumper. He didn't say, you know, can I help you replace it, or I'll give you some money to fix it, nothing. He said, oh, yeah, I accidentally hit the bumper. 
And my dad said, you're crazy to keep lending out your pickup truck. I thought about it for a while and I said, you know, Dad, I'd rather have the freedom to lend it out and have it come back with a dented bumper than not have the freedom to lend it. In the Bible, they shared everything they had. They didn't consider it as if it were their own. So we could go on and on about that, but we're pleasing God when we give up our freedom to belong. Every day, they met together, breaking bread in their homes with gladness and meeting in the temple court as well. Another thing that we, why we uh, become part of a life group or small group is to connect with others on a deeper level. To connect with others on a deeper level. I remember when email first became a good thing, exciting, usable, helpful. And I went home one day and I'm emailing to Mary. Well, what I didn't realize is she had come home early. And she's upstairs. We're emailing back and forth, eight feet or ten feet apart from each other. So I go, when are you getting home? She goes, well, I'm already home. That's how we are sometimes as a culture, you know. And God wants us to connect on a deeper level. By the way, I mentioned 9-11. It seemed like it was yesterday. It's already been coming on 19 years this year. And something happened in our culture that sociologists to this day are tracking, and they're a little amazed by it. When this happened... As one writer said, a deeper self-examination came all over the country. Love, family, and faith are emerging. People started looking for committed relationships. Bridal retailers reported there was a huge surge. And wedding uh, licenses went through the roof. Sales of old-fashioned board games skyrocketed because people wanted to cocoon and safety. They were suddenly using their freedom to belong. And at that time, they did a survey of children under 18, and they asked them, because, of course, this happened on September 11th, so Christmas came up not that long later. They said, for Christmas, what would be the number one gift you'd want? And they said, More time with mom and dad. Not surprising. Because when our freedom is tested, we suddenly realize we could have been and should have been using some of that freedom to belong. Another reason we join these small groups is to encourage one another. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13 says, encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. You know what? Again, I love Sunday morning, but I won't see you people at least for another week. Actually, more than that, because I'm preaching in another town next week. But I love being part of a small group where that encouragement goes back and forth, if not daily, at least more often. Another reason is we benefit from one another's gifts. That's where you experience people's gifts. I mean, we can do a certain amount of that on a Sunday morning, right? We can allow for, say, a prophetic word or some time afterward for prayer for healing. 
But Sunday morning isn't a place where we all get to really express our gifts. But if you can imagine all these small groups meeting various places and people sharing their gifts with each other, wow, that pretty much covers the base, don't you think? The other reason we commit to small groups and we love to be part of life groups is probably the most spiritual important one is to have a good time. It's great just to be together with other believers. And we just had our pastor's retreat, which I love. So there were 70 some pastors, spouses. I mean, it was great. And one thing you realize when you're together for a few days, these are people with the same challenges as you. And there's something about having a good time hanging out with people that have similar challenges. So when you're part of a small group, and by the way, this is a theme that I believe is going to come into the body of Christ more and more. And that is, what are you doing tomorrow at this time? I would love to hear from every one of you what you're doing tomorrow at this time. What's your job? Where do you work? Are you a stay-at-home mother? What's it like? We come on a Sunday, but then six days go by, and at least five of them, you're doing something that's super important. You might be semi-working like me. I'm not semi-retired. I'm semi-working. Some people are fully retired, but they're some of the most busy people I've ever seen. We have a great time when we come together and we share our victories and we share our challenges with people who are in similar places as us. Do you know that relationships are part of the gospel? We often think of the gospel as just being, okay, yeah, it's good news about, as Zach said earlier, I was walking in a defeated place in a place of sin, a place of rejection. And then God made the lights go on. I realized Jesus Christ is the son of God and he died for me. And so I confessed my sin to him. I asked him to forgive me and I'm a new creature in Christ. We think of that as being the whole gospel, but that's actually just the beginning of the good news for us. Another part of that good news is each and every day we become more like Jesus Christ if we present ourselves to him and avail ourselves to his grace. But the other thing is relationships. That's part of the good news. As David said in the Psalms, as for the faithful who dwell in this land, you've given marvelous comrades to me. And that's how I feel when I'm in a small group. These are, these are like marvelous comrades. I feel a little bit on Sunday morning, but it, it can get quite large. A couple of weeks ago when we were here, it was a great time. But our favorite time was we went to lunch afterwards with Stephen and Mary Bradley, good friends of ours. Shared our lives with each other. So we're going to end just a wee bit early so that you have time to go to these tables. I mean, if I keep going, I have all these notes yet to go through. (laughs) So we'd never get any time at those tables, Kent. Just kidding. But there are many more things that could be said about using freedom for relationships. 
So again, let me remind us of that statement. I, free ones you are, what will you do with that freedom? Let's pray. Lord, we have sung about freedom today. We have heard about freedom today. We've heard verses from your word about freedom today. Lord, we pray to help us to use that freedom for the greater good of your kingdom, being part of your body, being part of the temple that you inhabit, the spiritual temple, being part of your spiritual army. And even specifically, Lord, you would help us today to use that freedom to consider being part of a small group, of a life group, whether it's a core group or it's that other one that I can't read. Yeah, freestyle. Thank you, Lord, for your help. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat>